I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the number one positivity podcast on the Internet, on the planet, to the Coach HP show. Today's episode, we're getting close to Christmas. So on today's episode, consider this probably one of the best Christmas gifts I can give you guys. The man on today's show, I think he's like the Dos Equis, the Dos Equis of golf. This dude is like the Anthony Bourdain of golf he's traveled everywhere you name it he's been there very few times do you get somebody that not only has a vision not only has such kindness in his heart not only is he a positive dude not only as this thing almost falls but we keep going not only Does he want to push the game of golf, but just the right way? Shout out to anybody that's pushing positivity and just participation, man. Positivity and participation, not just win, win, bury that guy, bury that girl, me, me, win, win. Totally different. So that's half of it. So 50% is this dude's heart, his ability to push positivity push participation fun have a good time make a friend make a new friend get a new story learn out learn about life just awesome relationship building that's 50 percent of it the other 50 percent is what makes this guy special er over everybody is the fact that he has the production to do it there is no buddy doing what this guy's doing in the golf world the cinematics the music just the storytelling What this guy's doing is like the Steven Spielberg of golf. It is crazy. There is nothing on the internet like this. I was so lucky to finally get this dude on the show. I'm going to go see him in Austin, Texas. He's building the Death Star out there. He's literally building the Death Star out there in Austin, Texas. Is doing this whole, which I think should be done sometime next year. This whole biggest indoor thing. It's just going to be the mecca of golf out there. So if you've heard anything about random golf club, random golf films, random golf anything, then you have to know the story about the man who started it all. On this episode of the Coach HP Show, None other than my boy, Eric Anders Lang of the Random Golf Club, Random Golf Films. 
the Dos Equis of golf. Let's go. our boy there all right three two one boom eric we're on dude i have you by the way this is you right here dude so just just i i got the look all this for you i have you right now ranked number one as the most important person in golf number one number one in what you're doing eric because you have i think you're so important in what you're doing because you care about the sport, but you don't give a fuck about the rules. You want to have fun, but you have this spirituality, Zen stuff that you want to do good. You want to be positive and you don't want to sweat the bullshit, man. And you have the ability to put this production of what's in your brain out there that everybody gets stuck, man. And you are able to just cut through get it and keep going get it get it and keep going do you feel that also or no oh well, first of all i mean hector that's like a that's a really incredible compliment and i appreciate it and uh and i love your vibe first of all like i, I want to be you right now like you're just your energy and like uh i can tell you're really good at what you do um how do i feel about what we're doing i mean you probably don't know it, but I'm a critic, right? And I'm very critical of every little thing that we do and everything that I see. And I probably wouldn't be here if I wasn't a critic because I would have been like, golf is fine. Golf is good. Golf's cool, doesn't need to do anything. But my earliest um, like kind of experience of golf was centered around this idea of like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, I don't, I'm not into this, I'm not into that. We're, the game is great, but we have fucked it up. and so that mindset has carried over even into what we are doing now. And currently, yeah, I mean, I think even the way we're doing what we're doing needs to be improved. It needs to be streamlined. It needs to be done better. We need to focus on where's the sweet spot. You know, what, how do, what do you have to do to get a home run? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I need to figure out that equation. And currently in our process of making what we make, whether it's products, events, videos, whatever, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking far enough away that it looks kind of formidable, but I know that step-by-step step, we're on the right path. Um, so I really appreciate that vote of support and even it's kind of inspiring to me. So thank you. Bro, of course, because I was telling Jojo, look, it's very hard to talk to a guy like you because <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you why, because it's very similar to when I had Logan Paul on my show. Because people either super admire you in a point that they don't see you as a real person, so you can't connect with them, or there's a lot of hating going on. Like, oh, look at this guy, whatever. So very few people are authentic enough to pull you aside and say, dude, you're doing something special here. It might get lonely at some times because it's not like you can call somebody else and go, bro, you're doing what I'm doing in football or you're doing in video games or whatever, right? And I don't think that when you're at the top, you don't have too many people, like, like I said, supporting you because you're just annihilating the competition, Eric. So you mentioned something there, a home run, right? I have a vibe to what I think your home run is. 
But okay. what's your barometer of the home run? Like, what's to you, what's a home run? Well, it's funny that you're kind of going on this line because, you know, before we got on the phone, I was on the phone with this guy from London who did a very similar thing in the cycling world, right? Made a lot of content, ended up doing events, making products for the cycling community. And we were talking about kind of where I'm at and he just sold his company. So now he's getting into golf. And so that's how we got connected. And he was like, you know, we were talking a lot about how to make this shit. What's the home run? I mean, the home run for us is to be able to be recognized at a glance as the first place you go to get into golf, as the first place you go to learn about golf, as the first place you go to figure out where to play, what to play with, who to play with, why to play, and to do that in a way where just more people can be affected with the good virus of golf. A lot of times when I watch professional golf on television, yeah, it does make me want to go play, but it also makes me want to go play in a way that sucks you know, overreading putts, like throwing clubs or just being kind of a generally like uh, selfish golfer. So when we have our events and meetups, we play 60 people. If someone keeps score, I kind of laugh because I'm like, you're here for the wrong reasons, bro. Like we're here to experience something. This is like Burning Man on a golf course. This is a concert. This is not a quiz. So that's the home run for us is when we're immediately able to be recognized at a glance as like, that's where you go to get what you want. Um, and in this ever-changing landscape of YouTube, it's changing, social media is changing, how we have meetings is changing, how we play golf is changing. And so however we can solve those problems for a generation that is not named yet, that's really where I get most interested in how this little tiny business that we've created, it's got a few pieces of wood on it and a couple sparks. How does that grow into a flame that you can see in every continent? I am working on it. <laughs> bro uh look i think people are are born and built for certain situations eric your voice you have this phenomenal natural fucking voiceover awesome badass golf make it cool narrate voice man is that natural have you worked on that did you just fall into that talk to me about that Yeah, it's funny. So I, you know, that Myers-Briggs test, the four letters that tells you who you are, Okay. you know, in introvert, extrovert. So I used to be an introvert and basically uh, I love filmmaking and I love videos and I love telling stories through that maybe as some type of shield. Right. And then the PGA tour saw this work and they were like, you could be a host. And I was like, no way you got the wrong guy. But before I totally say no, is it a paid job? And they were like, yeah, we'll pay you. And I was like, well, then I'm your guy. <laughs> so through need, I developed a skill around hosting. And in some sense, a lot of people would say that what we do and who I am is similar to Anthony Bourdain. And I never even watched Bourdain. So I wasn't really very clear on it. But as I now look back over the work we've already done, time capsule locked away and Bourdain's life, also a time capsule. Right. He and I had some similarities in the sense that like, well, he just wrote a book. He was just a chef. He just loved the craft. And then he kind of moved into this role of traveling around the world and he was just himself all the time. And early on in the days of being a host for Eric, I clued into this idea that like, well, if I don't like it, I got to be honest. And if I'm not interested in it, I probably shouldn't be talking about it. Right. And that skill was one part of it. The second part was I decided to start a podcast because contractually speaking with the PGA tour, it was the only thing I could do. 
I couldn't do any other video content in golf, but I could make a podcast. And so I started making this podcast and I had no idea what I was doing. And I guess over time, Hector, you know, you got the headphones on, you hear your voice long enough, you hear yourself have a conversation and listen and then react or do a solo pod. All of a sudden, through no training, you learn how to do it. You learn how your voice needs to sound and you learn the best way to listen. And, and also just the, the skill set of listening is different and most people don't have it. So it was mostly just, a, it grew out of an opportunity and a need kind of without any actual goal. That makes sense, man. Your personality, you get that from mom, you get that from pops. Where does that come from? There's been two times on this podcast where I've felt like a bit like emotional. And uh, the first was when you opened it up with some very kind words about the work that we all strive to make. But how did I get my personality? I have like a story where I went to Italy with my family when we, I was like eight or something. And um, we were on a tour. My brother and sister are both 10 years older than me. So I was the last kid. I had room to fuck around, right? My parents didn't care as much about having me be whatever, right? Like, um, and so I was a bit of a clown, right? A troublemaker. And we were on this trip in Italy and my parents looked around. We were on a walking tour through this tiny town and they lost me. They were like, where's Eric? And they looked around, you know, huge problem. Our son is gone. Finally, they make their way to the front of this line to tell the host who was taking us on this guided tour that Eric was missing. Turns out I was holding his hand, peppering his ass with questions. I don't know where that came from. My father is a very interesting guy. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. My father is a very interested guy. He's a scientist. He's an experimenter. He's a tweaker. He cares a lot about those things. Golf has a lot of science in it. My mom is a writer and a teacher. Um, um, yeah, they grew up in very, very simple middle-class Midwestern circumstances, right? So it was only really the, 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 the building blocks of their lives were centered a lot around what was happening in the moment and not so much about like planning for some grand thing. It was mostly just, we would go on road trips and we would talk to everybody. And I don't know really where all of that came from, but I think for some reason, the things that interest me the most as a child and also as an adult are really just the questions. Why is it this way? Why, why do we do it that way? And I think that can be annoying for a parent or a teacher or an adult in the area because <clears throat> they may not always have an answer. But that same, wherever that came from, is literally why we're here today is because I got to golf and I was like, why, why is it this way? And right. I think I described it earlier as a critic, but it might be more of as a questioner. So Dude, I don't know I, where it came from. I appreciate that. I know you, I know you're a Jersey guy, right? You're born in Jersey. Jersey. I, but you said your parents Midwest. So where did they come from? So my mom grew up in Ohio. My dad grew up in North Dakota. They met at college in Wisconsin. And then my dad got a job at a science lab in New Jersey. So they moved to New Jersey and uh, that's where I was born and lived until I was about 20. So I, then you moved to LA at some point, right? Well, then I lived in New York. I got a job waiting tables. I lived in New York for like eight years, started working for a photographer, rode my bicycle around everywhere, had a blast in my twenties. And then I had like, I, I went to LA to go show some photographs that I made at a gallery. 
fell in love with a girl there and just didn't leave and then stayed there for like 13 years. Dude, so I lived in LA. Interesting LA story. I lived there for six years. One of the things I love about you, Eric, is that you have this like producer, Hollywood producer vibe. The look, <laughs> right? With the hair. The, that's why I'm wearing the glasses, bro. And this is for you, dude. I got to get my sunglasses on. You know, you got the glass. You got the cool glasses. You got the, look at that. You got the hair. Yeah. So I lost my hair, right? But I celebrate dudes with great set of hairs like you have, right? <laughs> what do you put on your hair? Do you hit the shampoo, conditioner? Do you let it roll? What are we talking about there? It's so simple, Hector. I don't do shit to it. I don't put any soap in it, no conditioner, no shampoo. Basically, I just, I just scrub the shit out of it under hot water like once a week, and that cleans it without any soap. So it has a lot of natural oil. And I learned this. You know, like, do you know Isaac Mizrahi? Yes. Yeah. I'm not like a crazy Isaac Mizrahi fan. Just sometime 20 years ago, he was like, I don't put any product in my hair. And I was like, let's go. And ever since then, I just don't do it. I, I can appreciate that, dude. And the beard. <laughs> so you have like the, I think you have that producer scruff, whatever. So what do you do? You hit the, you hit it once a week. Do you go somewhere? What do you do with that? Right. So I'm actually struggling with the facial hair thing because I keep the tools that I keep buying, like stop working. So right now I'm using like a battery powered. You're going to laugh. Honestly, it's a fucking pubic hair trimmer. Okay. And yeah. it's got like, it's got like rubber blades that wouldn't obviously damage your genitals. And so I just use that on the side and then I just trim down the mustache. I do it like once every two or three weeks. Once or two or three weeks, huh? Tax, right? <laughs> Us tattoo guys in golf, it's super interesting because I get I got I a new one. Oh, you got I, I I saw that. We get judged on the golf course immediately, especially you got tattoos. People are like, oh, look at this guy, right? But you've been able as to that's why I think, man, you're really up there because you're breaking barriers in your own way, which I think is the hardest way because. Man, you're, yes, you're you, you're charismatic, you're funny, people like you, whatever. But then you turn around and you become your own worst critic because you're literally icing and criticizing. You got drones, you got this, you got that. But I get a vibe from everything you do in a different ways. As I studied your work, I get a vibe from it, you know, almost like a Scorsese kind of thing of like you're putting touches on things. Are you doing that on purpose? Uh, uh, most of my life until right now has uh, not really been lived on purpose, Hector. We, we, we have found ourselves in situations that have been slightly favorable due to a yes attitude and a curious attitude. And um, I, I don't know if I can say that it is on purpose. I mean, I think that you know, you go back to this sort of little thing inside you that is, why are you doing what you're doing? I think the more you stay in that space and the more you try not to go do something that you're not or try to get really clear on what the fuck is this that we're doing, then I think you start to come up with something that I'm trying to understand. I don't know the question exactly, but it sounds like what you're saying is this is a little different. And is that intentional? Uh I don't know if it's intentionally different, but it is intentionally authentic. And I guess that is different. Dude, I can, I can appreciate that, man. I started, so you played golf for the first time when you were like 30, 31, I think was with your brother. 
Yeah, yeah. It was 30 or maybe 29 or 30, yeah. So me, kind of the same thing. So I'm from Cuba. I went from Cuba to Spain for a little bit, Miami. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball, Eric, by far, bro. I My relationship is very interesting with, with my dad because my dad prepared me for everything in life except to deal with him. So he abused the shit out of me when I failed in baseball. So I had this like fear for my life and he did it in front of my mom, in front of everybody. And it was like typical of the eighties to do that with their, with, with your boys. But my dad just took it to a whole new level, man. And it sucked for him because the guy had such good morals and beliefs and stuff, but he just couldn't get to there. Right. I, as I got older, I realized the guy's an alcoholic. I, Luckily, even though I look a certain way, I've never, I have nothing against people that do. I've never drank and I never done drugs, right? You have been sober for a real long time, you've said, okay? Yeah. How does it feel? First of all, that choice you make, were you like a chronic drinker or did you just say, listen, I'm just not going to drink anymore and just live life a certain way? I almost subconsciously, Eric, have said I've never drank and I've never been curious. Only time I've ever tasted alcohol is when I kiss chicks at a club or whatever that they would drink that I had secondhand the taste, but I've never, did you make that choice yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I was like going through my teens and I guess, um, you know, my personality led me to be all in on things. Right. And, uh, in my late teens, it was like drugs, right? Like I got real into, uh, you know, I was first, I was just smoking weed. And like, I remember that first time I ever smoked weed, I was like kind of pissed off about some shit that had happened in my life. And um, so I go smoke weed with this guy and I got so high. And I remember the, the, the simplest way to contextualize drugs for me is this. I remember feeling high. And the first thought I had was, man, I just, now I feel right. Now I feel like th this was the missing piece. Like now we're, now we're working. Yeah. Now I've got what I need. And I remember the image I had in my head was if I could just have a bag of this product in my pocket all the time, then I'd be good. And I've heard that story told back to me by other people in their lives. And it's basically the story of addiction. And so I ended up doing Coke doing acid, smoking a little bit of crack at the end. And then uh, I, I, my parents had an intervention and they were like, you got to stop. And so thank God they did that. At the moment, I was really pissed. I flipped over a chair and I walked out. But a month later, um, I did basically stop on my own accord. And I went to meetings and I went to rehab and I did all the things. And I don't know how, because the truth is, it seemed when I look back on that part of my life, I think of it like uh, if you look at like a big busy freeway and somehow you looked on the inside lane and there's like a light bulb there and you're like, how did that delicate little thing that the world needs not get crushed? And I think my life of a sober person, uh, you know, it's now been 20 years and I, and I, and I, and I've arrested that process of, of using, drugs and alcohol in a way that just like, you know, removes me from the planet uh, as a productive member of society. And I, you know, I made a decision and I don't know how, I don't know how I haven't done it for whatever, 7,000 days, but yeah. I've also heard the story similar to you 
before as well. Having a, having a, a person in your life that is doing it in a way that is scary and then growing up and being like, I'm never going to do it. And, uh, you know, I commend you for that. That's a hard decision to make, but I think that no one's going to complain about you being too sober. No. And here's the irony. I worked out on, I, I moved to from LA. Here's the interesting part, man. You, you talk about stuff, but nobody knows how hard it is to get sober at the age of 20, dude. That's a big deal, man. And you just kind of, those are things I became without wanting to kind of became like the kid whisperer. Like I became like the mediator between parents and kids. And when I moved to Los Angeles, J-Lo puts me on a TV show here in Miami. I get my SAG card, which is super hard, and I get it really quick. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I'm going to do the most opposite thing in the world. I'm going to move to L.A. So I take a 2000, I think it was like 2004, 2003 Toyota Corolla. I'm six foot two, Eric. So I get this car. I have everything that I own here in Miami. I think it's sunny California because that's all I've seen on TV and stuff. I drive over there in January for pilot season because I want to go for pilot season, right? I froze my ass off. I slept in the Hollywood Hills. I slept in a car for six months, bro. And I would shower and shave at the Equinox on Sunset Plaza right there in West right. Hollywood. Boom. Oh, that's a hot one. That's a that's good a, one. That's the best. Listen, I, don't, I, thought, I thought the studios were there. So, dude, I was doing that back and forth, back and forth. For six months, Eric, I thought I'm a pretty suave guy and I have some charisma to me. I go, this is going to be easy. I'm going to go to Los Angeles. I'll get some chick there to, to help me move in with her. I'll suave my situation. It. That was my move. You know what happened to me, bro? The completely opposite, man. <laughs> I, I was terrified to leave my car because I thought they were going to steal everything. So right. I started to understand why people go crazy. Because oh, yeah. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't do anything. But I developed, and there was no, like, YouTube. So I couldn't watch you. I couldn't go random golf club. Hey, you know, let me, let me, me. So it was literally my brain. And I found a way to tap into my brain this positivity that, has, that I said to myself while I was sleeping there. One day, bro, this is going to help so many people. Because you're going to talk about this situation. There was times that my foot. That has ever happened to you. My foot would fall asleep in reverse that I Whoa. would stand up and it would just literally be my ankle and I would just fall because I had never seen a foot get so numbness because since I'm big, I just fall asleep and my foot fell completely asleep that it numbed my, it was just crazy, bro. The irony of life isn't everything leads to something is, is what I've noticed. My first class is with this dude named Gary Austin who created something called the groundlings. Have you heard of the groundlings yep. before? Sure. So this dude, and I have no idea who, I have no, I have no idea of anything. Creates the groundlings. In his flyer, Helen Hunt thanked him for an Academy Award when she won for as good as it gets. She thanked him. So I go, this wow. dude has to be good. My first class with this guy, Eric, he's wearing a retro Houston Astros baseball jacket. I go, I got this guy. We start right. talking baseball. He prepares me. It changed my whole life. I was in LA for six years. I became a celebrity baseball coach with kids the most wealthiest people in the world will hire me to work with their kids i found myself while having identity issues eric because i never felt i was cool because my dad enslaved me i didn't have like the cool car cool clothes whatever so i found myself like kind of retaliating with that like kind of having to fluff a little bit 
to make to make myself fit in, especially because I've always I'm my first my first stint there in LA, I'm hanging out with the top people. Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm at his house, I'm at that. So instead of me leaning into my honesty, I would try to lie about that. And Google was starting getting popular. And I told people, yeah, I played for the Yankees, blah, blah, blah. I was injured, blah, blah. I got Googled and that got destroyed. And that destroyed me, right? Very similar to in our world with the golf thing. Because ironically, in the golf world, you see it enough where people bullshit the score. And everybody's yeah. like, hey, I'm this and that. You know, and the real people are like, nah, man. No, right? I learned that that's why I give so much credit to the 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old version of you, Eric, because there's no empathy for us guys at that age. When I get 1,000 to 500 DMs a week, and when I speak all over the country about this, I go, we got to start giving ourselves more support, more empathy, more gratitude. Talk about vulnerability. Talk about tough stages like getting rejected by a chick getting cut from a spore do something because our dads right don't figure that out because i think almost dads and i want to get your opinion on this i think almost dads feel like oh this is my son this is my second chance at life and there's no empathy and vulnerability because automatically i've made my life i've made your life so much better than mine you should be happy the whole way through there shouldn't right. be any issues bro be grateful you should be so grateful that you like do you feel any of that do you get any of that give, give me your thoughts on that bro um, I mean, I think we're, we're in a place of transition, like on the planet, right? Like, I, I think that, uh, from generation to generation over the last, I don't know, you could go back probably thousands of years, but every generation has, uh, wanted and created something different, whether it's tactical, like internet or farming um, to emotional, whether it's a, a desire to have authentic conversations and tell you how I actually feel, um, to whether that's spiritual to say, you know, um, COVID, obviously we all are clear on the COVID situation. The, the outcome that it also had was people, people had an opportunity to ask why are they doing what they're doing or who are they doing it with? And so it was like a huge, like immediate opportunity for people to change the script. Uh, and change the characters and change the location. All right. And um, it didn't really have that impact on me necessarily. I had that my COVID was when I got sober, right? Uh, and I was like, I know clearly that my path here is not probably something that I'm going to be able to ask a lot of people about. Um, and I think that this world we're heading into, I believe, is one that incorporates empathy and, um, you know, uh, a, a communication that we're not necessarily, uh, termed with right now. Like, like, like people, pe there's a lot of people who are not comfortable with the conversation that I want to have. And, you know, I mean, when we started making content, even our dear golf video, right? Like I made it, I was like, Whoa, I don't know if people are going to like that. You know? Right, 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 right. It's like a love letter to the game of golf that's really personal and kind of like uh, gooey. And, um, but you know, I also said, fuck it, man. Like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I didn't make it for anybody else, really. I mean, I did if they like it. But ultimately, you know, I think uh, absolutely we're, we're in a place of creating a world where those conversations are more 
uh, readily accepted and, and readily happening. And I mean, I love the kind of people that when you go up to them at a at a bar and you get introduced and you're like, how you doing? And they're like, not good, man. I'm going through a breakup. And you're like, oh, because now we can fucking talk about something. Yeah, of course. Not that bullshit. Like, oh, no, yeah. great. And this and that. Everything's and great. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Small talk is ironic, right? Because small talk uh, doesn't necessarily determine the time span. It determines the level of depth that I'm getting into who you are. And exactly. So I, I don't have a problem with I, I don't have a problem with talking to someone that I don't know for a short period of time. I have a problem when someone's like, do you have any siblings? I'm like, actually, I'd prefer if you just asked me, what do you really not want to talk about right now? <laughs> or something like that. You know, right, 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 right. That makes sense, dude. My introduction, so my introduction to the game of golf, yours was with your brother, dude, ironically. So Michael Jordan used to have a tournament in Shadow Creek in Vegas. Yeah. When I got moved over to the to the nightclub side, I started off as a promoter at a club called Hyde in the Bellagio. I, I lived know, at I, the Aria Hotel. Well, the original Hyde was on Sunset. Dude. Right so down I, from where I used to live. Sunset exactly. Heights, right where the Equinox was. Right where that Equinox was. So my best friend owns Sushia. On, so, do you ever go to Sushia on sure. Sunset Plaza? Yeah, of course. Dude, so that's my that best place friend. Is great with the outdoor patio. With the outdoor patio, the free parking on the back. That's that, Love that place. That's the spot, dude. So... Dude, that was the spot where you would go there for 90 minutes and you would have met 10 people the just best. walking around, hanging out. Yep. Yep. Dude, it was the best. And because you have Le Petit Four, which is like stacked, yeah. but my boy who is so crazy, man, my boy Dove, I don't know if you ever met Dove. He Moroccan Jewish guy, just the best dude. Grew Love up both of those places. Yeah, man. Just <laughs> he grew, he grew up. Hey, hold on, hold on. Moroccan Jewish guy. That's not, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because there's two types. Uh, if you're Moroccan, your background is either French or Arab. Uh, so he was more French. French. He was French. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I remember I flew from Israel to Morocco, and my bags were never to be seen again. <laughs> I think they were just like, fuck this guy. We're throwing these away. <laughs> oh, my God. That is awesome, bro. So I just... So I'm, I'm in Shadow Creek. I'm living at the Ari Hotel. I, I go from promoter to director of customer development. I got my PhD in how to really deal with people, Eric. And I go, this is great. And my first time I'm there, I play with Michael Jordan, at Shadow Creek, Ken Griffey Jr., Jerry Rice, and my boss who was uh, his Jordan's boy. And I'm there. I go, golf is the greatest thing in the world. I go, this is, I'm in Shadow Creek. This, this is amazing. I become a member of baseball, TP football and basketball and Hector. I fucking love it, bro. It was just crazy, dude. I'm in. So I'm in Shadow Creek there. I go, I got to become a part of this. So I joined TPC Summerlin and I'm out there just where the Shriners used to be. And I'm there just like playing and stuff. And after I, I get moved, I feel like the man upstairs started talking to me and I was like, okay. The legend's not going to die in a, in a Las Vegas nightclub. I became I, a member of the Shriners there at a TPC Summerlin. I played and golf was on a decline at that time. The Tiger thing was way over. It was on a decline. The man upstairs started talking to me. He goes, a Vegas, you're not going to die in a Vegas nightclub there. I come to Miami to marry the love of my life. I'm here in Miami doing baseball, just playing baseball. Ironically, Eric, how I get into the, the golf world now is one of the kids that I used to work with when he was five years old in baseball is now one of the best junior golfers in the country. Whoa. The dad reaches out to me and he's like, dude, I need you, man. 
not to teach the swing, not to do anything, but what he started to notice was, which you see in golf, it's not like baseball. We're in baseball. Your dad's in the stands if he's screaming at you. If he's a worst case, he's a coach. But when he's a caddy, unless you got a lot of money, you're literally the guy. So if I say, if you want to grab a nine iron and I'm your dad and I tell you, you got to grab a pitching wedge, there's a fight happening if the shot doesn't go. And this is happening all over the thing, as you could imagine. So he brought me in to do that. And then I started working with golfers all over, just on mindset with their parents on that stuff. That's where your channel came as I'm doing research on this stuff, right? Because I don't play golf a lot, but in my brain, I'm playing golf all the time. I'm fascinated by it. I'm doing what you're doing, but just in my brain all the time, man. And I love that. The move to Austin, okay? I went to Austin in a similar thing that, uh, that we talked about. I spoke with JoJo. So I went to Austin because Hyde did the first ever event at the Formula One thing in Austin. <clears throat> so I went to Austin. I was a big fan of a dude named, you're a Mario Andretti guy, right? Yeah, love Mario Andretti. So I'm a big fan of a guy named Flavio Briatore. You know who that is? No. All right, here we go. You're going to like this, buddy. So Flavio is this Italian dude, okay, that used to work for this guy named Luciano Benetton from the Benetton family. They had a big racing team. So before that, so he had the Benetton. Remember United Colors of Benetton? Yeah. So this dude hires Flavio to be the head guy in New York. So you get this playboy looking guy with your hair, your vibe. The guy goes to, he's crushing. He's at Studio 54. He's crushing it. He puts Benetton on the map. So this guy calls him up and says, listen, I want you to come back to Europe. I want you to meet me at the racetrack. I want to talk to you. He's like, okay. Flies over. Sits there in the middle of the racetrack. He goes, what do you want to talk about? He's like, I want you to run my racing team. I want you to do what you did for Benetton in the, in the, in the fashion world, in the racing world. He's like, I knew absolutely nothing about racing. So interesting. look what this guy does, bro. This is the guy credited for bringing supermodels to the racetrack in Europe. So he started to bring in all the models and then he discovered this one driver named Michael Schumacher. You ever heard of him? Yeah. <laughs> so he discovers Schumacher. Then he leaves Benetton. He goes to F1 Renault. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then he's, bro, he's the one that dated. He got a Heidi Klum pregnant. He's an older guy, but he has a kill Heidi Klum. Now, real famous guy, real famous. There's a place in uh, Kenya called Lion and the Sun, which is beautiful. But that was my whole thing to, to the Formula One thing. It's fact. Why were you so attracted to Marco Andretti, Mario Andretti, man? What was about him that, that called your attention? I mean, that's a good question. I think, I mean, you know, he was, uh, well, I met him. He was kind and that meant a lot. Uh, I think also, you know, he, he was like from Italy, you know, had a different like, you know, name and he was winning at the time, right? Like he was the number one. Um, and you know, he also was Marlboro guy. So he was wearing red, red, like, you know, Ferrari. I don't think he was driving a Ferrari, but, you know, I just think uh, it, it was just the impression, you know, back then when you're a kid and it's just like, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into who your hero is going to be that doesn't necessarily connect to who they actually are, but who you think they are. And I, I guess looking back on it, I, I haven't really ever examined it. I guess it has to do with those things. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. 
Talk to me about Austin, man. I'm in Texas a lot speaking and stuff, like that, but I haven't been to Austin since then. Are you happy there? I know you're building the Death Star of the golf world there, dude, which I'm so proud of you for doing that. I, I, I know it's a headache with a lot of stuff, man, but talk to me about that whole Austin move and stuff like that, man. Yeah, so Austin, um, it, it had been in our radar that we wanted to leave Southern California for several years before we actually moved. And we weren't really sure where we were going to go. We were looking at Portland, Denver, Orlando. We didn't know. And Austin um, just came up, right? Like we just, we were going to come here actually the week that COVID hit. And um, we ended up delaying it about six months. We ended up coming out and Basically, we got off the plane and went straight to this space that's like an acre with a 6,000 square foot warehouse in the middle of it. And we wanted to make a place for us to work in, uh, to make the videos and the podcasts and the products. And then a place where people could come and get a coffee, hit some golf balls, buy a shirt, and then go outside and like sit by the fire, maybe hit some putts on a little putting course, grab a drink. Maybe there's a stage and just hang out, get some food, food from a food truck. And um, basically we walked off the plane and went straight to the space. And I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this is it. Yeah, I love it. And, and then basically we moved out like a, a month later. And the first few months were a little jarring, a little bit of like culture shock. Moving is stressful. You know, uh, that was hard. And it took a little bit of an adjustment. And then, I don't know, I guess it's been like 14 months now we've lived here. And now... I just, I couldn't be happier with the decision and the town and the people here. It just feels so like, it feels so much like home now that I used to travel 200, 250 days a year. And I haven't left Austin in like 11 weeks now. And that's an, that's a decision, right? Like, yeah, there's not a lot going on, but I'm also just like, I'm just enjoying being here and just and just really soaking in the experience of building a company, building a space, building a home. And that's been just like fantastic. I wasn't really expecting that, but very, very positive. I love that, dude. You remind me a lot of, so, you know, Gary V. I love Gary V. So Gary's my boy. Ironically, I helped Gary. Everything happens for a reason, man. I helped Gary V's best friend, his kid. Okay. And his dad knew Gary from when he worked in the wine business before sure. he became all that. So I'm very tight with them and with Gary and everything. And people don't understand how hard it is what you're doing because you're creating content slash running a business also. So that always gets very stressful and stuff like that. So that's why, man, I think you deserve all the support in the world with what you're doing because it's not easy, dude. It's not easy. Eric, what's your favorite type of music? Um, well, you know, I mean, I like a lot of music, but the other night I started listening to Progressive House and I realized that I think I might try to get into Progressive House more, you know, like Rufus Del Sol. And, um, but Rufus other than that, Del Sol. You don't know Rufus? No, bro. <laughs> He's great. He's like, is, I don't, I mean, I like all sorts of music. I like the main thing I the song is I just want to feel something. So I even fucking really like that song. Like, um, what's that Miley Cyrus song? Like party in the USA. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. You know, I want whatever song it is. I just want to, I just want to feel it. And then I want to go do it. And I guess, you know, Spotify did the whole rap thing. And I think my overall vibe is like chill and happy. Hey, so, this is, that's the move, bro. Hey, you yeah. can't get that. 
Couple more questions, dude. I know you're busy. Yeah. Couple more questions. How you good? I uh, you said something there, dude. That's that's really interesting because I want a vibe. If I could give off a vibe to people, yeah, it's just my my whole ex existence is a vibe. You know, I notice in the golf world, you are like, dude, these people that dress like Tiger Woods and stuff like that. It's it's great, but it ain't my thing, right? I love the fact that. You're anti-golf carts for the majority part that like you carry your bag and stuff like that. You have a classic bag that doesn't have a kickstand or I noticed that too. Is that because you're trying to be an OG and you're just like, dude, I'm a man of the, like that calms you and slows you down. Are you trying to be different? Talk to me about that. I mean, I think like when the golf course is walkable, it's like you spend your time with the people that you're playing with in a more natural way because you're walking and there's not like a big cart that you're sitting in. I mean, a cart I think is actually kind of uncomfortable because it's like bumpy. I think they're actually kind of dangerous. I feel like I, I feel like you could just get fucked up really quick right? and you got to pay attention, but walking, you know, it's an action, you're breathing. And I just think you have all four of you can kind of hang together um, and I just like the lightness of the bag there and it's just like throw it down. And I don't know. I just, I'm a very simple person when it comes to the things that, uh, you know, like I like, like, I, I like, I like very simple clothing that feels good. I think walking feels good. Um, I, I just like simplicity overall. And the golf cart is not simplicity because in a golf cart, you just keep putting shit in it. And you keep jamming shit in. You got a big bag and then you got a big golf cart and you got a lot of balls and you got all of this shit. I, I really think simplicity is a great um, uh, benefit when it can be applied to the game of golf. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I love that. I, two things uh, that you're into now, you're starting the podcast back up again. Yeah. Do you like doing that? What have you learned from it? What's the difference between Eric, the producer, golf guy, and podcasts, is it the same person? Do you find yourself switching? Talk to me about that. It's an interesting question. I think I'm always the same person. Um, I think that maybe there are times where I can get impatient when it comes to work and production. Um, but, you know, our goal now isn't so much on output, but it's more on uh, learning and understanding and getting critical of the process. So, if a video doesn't come out on time or if a podcast is delayed, now my kind of take is more like, okay, well, what did you learn from it? What do you want to do? How do you, when can you do it by? What do you, how do you want it to be? Instead of me being like, I want to do this and I want it done by then. And if you don't do it, it's your fault. And <laughs> I just don't think that's the way to build a group of creative people that are kind of running a company together. Um, but with the podcast restarting, the goal is for RGC radio to have, a, a series of different shows that speak to different people about different things that are all centered around the game of golf. And we believe that we have the impetus on us as creators to educate, entertain, and inspire in everything we do. So um, as far as the new slate of, you know, audio programming, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting back into the seat of hosting the podcast. I, I've hosted like two in the last week and I'm a little rusty. So I'm, I'm kind of like excited to get back into it because it's, a, it's, a, you know, you know, dude, it's a great time where, you know, you've got a bookend and you know, you're fully in. Right. And that's right. like, that's like, um, that's like dancing, you know, I, it makes sense. Makes sense. 
what type of guests do you like, man? Do you like guests that bring views? Do you want guests that you're interested in? How do you select that? I think the best guest for me is someone who's uh, not editing what they say, not afraid of anything, right? True wealth is not needing anything from anyone. And so when you have some people on the show who need things from someone, they're afraid to actually tell you how they feel. So authenticity is really key. Um, also, you know, a quick sense of humor, like the ability to riff and go off into another area. That's really exciting. Um, and also um, someone who lives a life, like I described my father, someone who's interested. You know, I think people that are interested in things make interesting people. So ah, that's a good quote. Hey, I think that's, that's the next shirt, bro. dude you gotta put that in bro the valentine's edition that's gonna crush it with red come on i love tattoos how many more tattoos are you gonna get uh what are you what's your vibe with that i see i can what i can respect about a guy like you man is you're you're a guy that you're a hybrid because you're gonna take your time but you're gonna go when you go right yeah me i'm completely the opposite I go, I'm going to get tatted because I want the look. I got this. And I, it's pretty much like my tattoos. I have meetings now versus yeah. when I got them. And I've got my first one when I was 30. So I waited a while, right? I know you got the elephant one now recently, stuff like that. Talk to me, tattoos, bro. I, one thing that I like about it is that you're spacing it out. I can respect that, <laughs> right? Versus sleeving it up right away. If you plan to do that, I like your spacing it out. Talk to me your mindset with tattoos, bro. I mean, I think of mine, I think tattoos are kind of like, you know, my, my, my fa- I don't like go buy a lot of clothes in Austin, but when I travel, I usually come back with clothes. I like to buy clothes while I'm traveling. And it doesn't need to say Germany. It's just a shirt that I got in Germany that I like. Right. And so in some sense, that shirt then reminds me of that time and place and memory. So for tattoos, I mean, it really is, um, these are all chapters of my life that occurred and are, you know, this, you know, they, they, they all do have like an event. So, so I, I, it's hard to plan because it's sort of like, I need to read the book first. And then when the event takes place and I'm able to say, that means something to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to annotate this. I'm going to dog ear this or this, put a post-it note. So far we're this many pages in, these are the things that have meant the most to me. And the first tattoo I got was this one here. And this is, uh, it was a, a group of coincidences that occurred for me to get this Latin prayer that has to do with getting sober. And, um, you know, I, I, that, that was the first one I got. And then the second one also had to do with sobriety. The third one was a motorcycle trip that uh, I was like, I'm probably gonna die. How am I not dead? I met a guy who's like, well, you have an angel. And you need to get a bike with a wing on it. And I was like, okay. And then the next one was my ex-wife name, which I turned into a Spanish word for being. And then, oh, in between there was a hand drawing of me and my ex-wife, meditation mantra. All right, hold on. Let's talk about that Spanish word. So being, what is it? Estar? Where did you put there? Estar. Ah, you speak Spanish? Un poquito. Vámonos, en español. Vamos a tirarlo en español, campeón. ¿Cómo tú aprendiste a hablar español? Oh, en un restaurante en Nueva York, entonces uh, puedo hablar mexicano. No es, no es. 
Ah, ok, vamos a hablar a los mexicanos, Holmes. Vamos. Güey, <ríe> güey, ¿cuántos, ¿cuántos años tú tienes? Uh, ahora, 40. ¿Tú tienes en, 40? En, ¿En el mundo o en español? En, en el mundo. ¿Cuántos sí, años sí, tú 40, tienes? 40. En, en febrero vamos a 41. Yo en enero voy a cumplir 43. Yo tengo 43. 42. ¿Qué día? Enero 7. Oh, ok, ok. Capricornio. Soy okay. yo. Entonces, uh, tengo un um, amigo grande de esta Capricorn. Sí. La, la cosa importante, cuando personas que no hablan español, otros idiomas, hablan español, es hacer lo que tú estás haciendo, que es tomándote el tiempo, no apurándolo, porque hablarlo como lo hablas en inglés, porque en inglés hay un flow que viene automáticamente. Sí. Tú no estás ahí todavía pero tú te defiendes hablando de tu forma y no tengas pena si la gente te entiende o no te entiende o si machuca las palabras, tú tira Y la intención es lo más importante. Gracias, gracias. Entonces, so you just said that it's important to just keep going? What I said was what happens to a lot of people is that when they're speaking a second language, they rush it. Because you hear us, you hear the bilingual. Yeah, I noticed you speaking slower and I was like, thank you. But that's why I do it because what happens is people think this is the biggest misconception when speaking other languages. Like it's an insult to us if you don't speak it a certain way. It's the complete reverse, man. We appreciate the fact that you're even trying it and a mistake that the, that the speaker that doesn't speak it normally or it is in his native tongue is they rush it. Because they hear us rush it when we talk to each other. So they're like, oh, I want to rush it too. And then you're going to kill it because your brain's not there. If you notice me, when I speak Spanish, and sometimes I do, I do a lot of television and stuff in Spanish, or when I do interviews or people interview me and stuff, my Spanish is funny as hell. It's either two kinds of Spanish. Very proper. So I'm very like, like if I'm speaking to my parents or an elderly. So if I was speaking to your dad, an example, what's your dad's name? Uh, David. David. And I'd be calling the house, right, to speak with Eric. I'd be like, sí, buenas tardes. Eh, David, ¿cómo estamos, señor? Mira, es Héctor, el amigo de Eric. Por favor, él, él se encuentra para yo hablar con él. See my tone, how it is, right? So I'm either right. that. Or when I hook up chicks in Spanish, it's like a whole completely thing, bro. <laughs> Let me hear the other one. The other one is, the other one is, let me see what I, let me see what I come up with. Dale, que te voy a dar duro, dale, ven acá, ven, ven. ven. <laughs> <laughs> dale, dale, dale. You know what oh I mean? So, that means it like hit it, like let's go. It's so many, that's why Pitbull yeah. made it because in English it looks like Dale, but dale is the equivalent of uh, almost like cool or whatever because if you're right. right now, we're talking on the phone and, and, and I go, dude, okay, Hit me up later. You're like, yeah, bro, we'll talk later. Okay, dale. It's like, dale. okay. Yeah. Or, cool. and dale yeah. also means go, but it's right. okay too, dude. Bro, you got Spanish, dude. You got to hit some. I love it. Dude, you can do it, bro. Listen, man, I'm, I got a, a pretty good size bilingual audience. I need people. My whole ex existence on this earth right now is I'm so dedicated to bringing to light people like you and giving them support in any way I can, in any opportunity I can. I don't need anything in return, but just the opportunity. The more awareness I can bring to you, 
the more eyes I can put to what you're doing, where that ends, I don't know. But I think that is the most important thing. When I was talking to Jojo and about this, and I sometimes I get persistent on getting people on because you don't know who you're talking to till you talk to them, right? Yeah, and I yeah. feel like I have such feeling of good that in my brain, till they say no, I just, everybody needs to talk to me at some point because what I got to give you is like God, the universe or whoever you believe in is giving it to me to give to you. So that's yeah. why, that's how important I feel to stand behind and push and encourage, guide and help the Random Golf Club company, you in general, man, with, uh, with anything. So before I let you go, dude, Anything I can help you with? Any questions for me? Man, I've got a lot of ideas um, and, I, and I'm excited to talk to you about them. As we were talking, I was just having all sorts of thoughts about um, things we can do together. Um, and uh, I like your vibe a lot. And I think that, um, you know, uh, the world needs more people like you. And I think the only way to do that is to get more people to know you and look up to you as a role model. So, um, you know, look, I, I that, that's a good feeling when you share basically the same compliment for each other. So, um, I mean, I have a lot of questions. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to like sleep on it and come back to you with like a conversation that has maybe some more uh, distinct play area of like what we can do together. Perfect. No, that's, that's done for sure. You got me on that. Where can the people find you, dude? So uh, our main venue for creation and communication is YouTube, Random Golf Club Films. Uh, we also have a website, Random Golf Club, where you can check out our most recent products to wear on and off the golf course. And we also have RGC Radio, RGC Shop on Instagram, where you can check out current and upcoming pods and products that we're working on from behind the scenes. And yeah, just find Random Golf Club. We're there. And depending on where you are, we have chapters and ambassadors in a lot of local locations where you can join the global community in a local way, um, you know, monthly events. You just had a merch drop. This is something I think you should talk about. What? Cause you're a fashionista. You're the best kind of fashionista in my head because you're a fashion guy. I don't give a fuck about fashion, but knows about fashion. Like right. you should be in Art Basel every year. You should be sitting at the front. And I wanted to go. I had some friends going and I was like, that looks fucking fun. Dude, you have to see that's the next step with you, bro. It's if, yeah. if I was guiding you, I'd be maneuvering you like that, right? I love but it. stuff like this is what I want you to talk about. What is your most proud item that you like the best? Like Eric's choice of what you dropped right now in Black Friday. Oh man, I mean, I love the blue, the blue uh, collegiate that just says random GC in blue with pink and yellow. It's like pop uh, uh, um, cotton candy colors. Really good. All right, let's get that. Champion. All right, Champion. don't leave. We'll send it to you. All right, don't leave. Don't leave, Eric. I'm going to say bye to you the right way. I'm going to just stop the recording. Cool. There it is. The whole thing. Thank you guys so much for sticking with it all the way through. Please go ahead and support my man, Random Golf Club. Check him out on YouTube. Follow him on Instagram. Cool merch. Cool stories. And just what you get as a golf fan, there's nothing better. You can literally watch these guys' episodes all day, man. It puts you like in a trance. It's the best. 
So please go support them. It's your coach. Remember, at the end of the day, two things you can control, your effort and your attitude. So just please keep going hard and do your thing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.